This is the Midweek Exception, an NBA podcast from MultipleSources.net for October 29th, 2015. Joining me today is Grant. Yes, and you're talking to a very, very cold Grant. We have As... reached into the 30s and it sucks and I have a winter jacket on and I had to go out and start my car before I even got in it this morning and I'm not happy about it. It's terrible. Like just maybe 20 minutes ago, my girlfriend and I went to the post office to drop something off to send a package of hers and I didn't bring a jacket with me. And in those oh, like idiot. In those 25 seconds of walking into the building, I was completely miserable. Like I was like shivering and just, you know, I was like on the point of like, you know what, maybe I'm just going to swing and get a coffee somewhere in case I have to walk around anywhere else right now. But I have a I have a t-shirt on right now. So, you know, in the next like two hours when I head out, I'm going to obviously bundle up a little bit more and take care of myself because I feel like I'm coming down with a cold already. So it's a bummer. And it's not even November. Not even November. No. Um, so I guess if I do end up having a cold, a really great thing to do is watch basketball whole weekend. Like yeah, it seems, that sounds perfect. It sounds perfect. Get some soup, get some toast, just sit down, watch some basketball. And for today's podcast, this is actually an idea that you pitched to me. So do you want to explain it? Yeah, I mean, it's pretty simple. I just We've now seen every team play. Uh, some teams play two games. And... For our kind of PSA at the beginning, these are just quick reactions to the games. We are not saying that these are winners and losers going forward. But what we did is we picked three winners. Uh, we each have three winning, like winner teams from the first game. And then we agreed on three loser teams. And then we each have three separate winners and losers for players after their first game. And again, this doesn't mean we think they're winners and losers going forward. We just kind of, based on expectations coming in, based on how teams perform just in their first game and coming out strong or weak, this is our quick kind of just quick takes off of that. And we just wanted to, you know, record a quick little podcast here and say a little bit about that. But again, this does not mean we think that they are winners and losers necessarily for the rest of the season. Exactly. And like with such like a small amount of games to talk about and like, you know, it's all like small sample size kind of talk that I'd go into when I'm talking about this, which is like, there's not a ton out there for us to look at. So a lot of it is just kind of like hot takes on like, well, who looked good last night and all that kind of stuff. I mean, the purpose of doing this podcast to me is to say, hey, going forward, let's pay attention to some of these players over the next couple of games and a couple of these teams over the next few games to see, A, if they can maintain their level of production, or B, to see if they can bounce back from poor production. Yeah, exactly. And we're just at a point where, too, we're excited to talk about basketball. So any excuse to talk about basketball, we're going to exactly. take. Exactly. So. I feel like I've like come back to life after this like long slumber or something. So yeah, um, we talked about it on our previous pods from uh, kind of previewing the season. It just felt like a long off season. Yeah. So Even, this is awesome. It was like a fun off season with a lot of like, weird, like goofy stories and drama. But like by and large, I was ready to come back to, to watching basketball, like games that matter. So should we talk about teams first or players first? Do you think? Um, I thought I'd say we dive into players. And we'll end with our three losing teams, which we each made our list separately. And we came up with basically three different winning teams. And then we kept it quiet. And then we both said our three losing teams. And they were the three saved teams. So, so we're going to just have three overall losers from the first day of the season. Um, but without further ado, my first winner 
for players is Kobe Bryant. And really, there's not much else to say besides I'm excited Kobe's playing. He came in and put up uh, 24 points. Looked, I mean, he wasn't as efficient, but it was just typical Kobe shooting. He looked good. I don't know. I'm just excited Kobe's playing. I think he's got a good attitude. He, um, he like I said, 8 for 24. He went 3 for 3, 13 from 3, which isn't great. But I'm just excited to have Kobe Bryant on the floor. And I think after the game, too, he said to reporters, like, I'm going to give you some extra time because I'm going to miss you guys at the end. And it's just we are really, really close to the end of Kobe. Um, this whole game was fun because you got to see Kobe and KG on the same court for probably potentially both of their last seasons, one of the last times that it's going to happen. And really he's just a winner because he's on he's on an NBA floor and he didn't get injured. And I don't know, I'm just excited to see Kobe play because we need to cherish his – probably his last season in the NBA. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's sad that we are coming to an end of like so many great players that are going to be retiring soon. KG, I'm sure. Tim Duncan, obviously. Then uh, Kobe also. So it's 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 starting to become a very real thing that we're seeing in the rearview mirror, all these players like slowly catching up to the end of their, uh, the end of their careers. So it's a good pick, though. I mean, I, I watched that whole game and it was fun watching Kobe on the court. I mean, I could have done without the consistent ESPN commentary, like excessive praise for the Lakers throughout the game, ignoring the Timberwolves, which I'll get into later. But, you know, it was it was really nice to see Kobe on the court. Yeah, and like I said, that's pretty much the extent of why I liked Kobe is I'm just excited to watch him play. And like I said, we need to cherish it. But uh, my second winner, which I actually had had some trouble it was i had two players from the same game wanted to pick one or the other um it was between blake griffin and boogie cousins both had really really strong showings to start off the season and both battled uh i ended up going with boogie though because i think he uh carried his team a little bit more 32 points uh three assists 13 rebounds um on 10 for 21 shooting overall and shot five threes and John, can you guess how many of those he made? He shot five threes. I'm going to say he made three of five. Made four of five. Dang. So now we are seeing uh, Boogie finally kind of step out and show his range. And there's a famous clip from his days at Kentucky where he like pulls up from like two steps inside half court and just wets it. Uh, so we know he can shoot. And now he's actually kind of stepping out there, really showing his range, looking good. And his intensity is already there. I mean, you saw him kind of get pissed at reporters after the game. You it's you saw him talk about how much he hates the Clippers, saw him battling down low. It's just the intensity is there, and hopefully this will be a season where him and George Carl, you know, stay getting along. He has, a, he has a, a solid coach for the entire season, and he keeps us up this intensity the whole season because if you remember – he had a great start to the year last year. Mike, he liked Mike Malone. They had a, the whole Kings as the Kings as a whole had a good start. Then he came down with was it meningitis? I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and he was out for you know a couple weeks, and all of a sudden his coach that he had finally bought into and was looking good was fired, and you know the Kings became the Kings again. So mm-hmm. um, this is one of those picks where I know I said this isn't something to look forward at but i'd say in general 
the Kings and Boogie are something to kind of look forward at as long as they don't get fickle and fire George Carl after 20 games. Which is a very real threat, realistically, when you think about the Kings. So It really is. I mean, if you look at coaches, there's already a list of coaches on the hot seat, and everyone's listing George Carl, which is absurd. Yeah. You sign these coaches to like four or five-year contracts, and then, you know, one game in or in the preseason before their first season, just because of the state of the organization, they're on the hot seat. But that's probably a discussion for a different time. But that's just another quick take. Um, and my final winner is actually not even a starting player. I was looking through box scores today, kind of looking at highlights. Came across a one line that said eight for 17, one for a three from three seven rebounds, an assist, a block, only two turnovers, and 24 points coming off the bench in 21 minutes. Now, if I'll give you a clue. It's in the Eastern Conference in an uh, Atlantic team. Can you guess who that might be? Okay. Because initially I was trying to... Because that's, like that's like stat sheet stuffing right there. Yeah. I was going to say, oh, it's like Kawhi Leonard or something stupid. Which it's not because he's actually on my list. He's also not off the bench and he's not in the East. But I got to I don't know. Give me this. Give me it. Derek Williams of the Knicks of the New York Knicks. Okay, because what I heard from that game, the name was floating around afterward, and then I heard like Porzingis played really well also. I mean, he played all right. He shot like shit, though. Okay. He went like three for 11, but he went nine for 12 from the line. So that kind of padded. And so he ended up with 16 points. So he got to the line, which is good. Mm -hmm. But Derek Williams, who, I mean, up until this point, has he's shown glimpses every once in a while, but never can kind of put everything together. Maybe it's because he's been on bad teams and, you know, wasted away in Minnesota and then Sacramento. But given kind of real six-man minutes, he came in and played really well. And for someone who is looked at as a tweener and won't be able to really, you know, ever, you know, fulfill a power forward or small forward role, he looked good. I was really surprised to see it. And, again, he got to the line, too. He was seven for nine from the free throw line. And um, he was kind of one of those dark horse picks that, for me at least, that I don't think a lot. I, I think a lot of people are gonna kind of overlook, especially because he's on the Knicks. Which, in general, Knicks had a pretty great game. We're gonna get into that Knicks Bucks game a little later, but I just wanted to give him kind of credit, be where credit to do, and I think he had a great game. And he's someone that maybe they're gonna continue to give minutes to off the bench, and we'll see what he can do going forward. Yeah, definitely. That could be that could be huge for him. I think going forward, you just need that kind of confidence. Sometimes, you know, you have to have that big game, and then just from there carry that energy going forward. So, yeah, I just hope for the best for him. Really. Yep. All right. How about your uh, three winners? All right. So my first player. This is an obvious pick. If you watch the Lakers and the Timberwolves game last night, Ricky Rubio. I mean, like what? Like admittedly and if you've listened to the podcast before listen to the free cheese and hot sauce podcast everyone knows i am a timberwolves fan i have this undying love for this team even though realistically i know they're going to have a few bad years and hopefully that's all going to be behind them in the near future but ricky rubio last night 28 points 14 assists one turnover 58 percent shooting 
these numbers won't hold the whole season. There's no way they do. I mean, it, that'd be an absurd MVP level performance from him. I mean, he, he's not going to shoot as well as he did last night. He's not going to have 20 plus point games regularly. I don't think so anyway. But just seeing him have a game where he shows that kind of potential, showing people, hey, I can shoot 58% in a game. Like, his, his shot looked better last night. The mechanics didn't look as, like, janky and kind of broken. They had a really smooth stroke. He was finding guys all over the court. He has an offense around him right now, whether it's Towns, Wiggins. You have Shabazz Muhammad, who had a nice game. And then Belizia also coming off the bench, who hopefully is going to start getting starting minutes at some point in the season. I'm sure KG is going to start the whole season, barring any sort of injury or anything. But he played 23 minutes compared to KG's 13. So Ricky has we- yeah, sorry, Ricky has weapons around him right now, which I think is key for his performance going forward. So I'm really happy. I'm just glad he had a really great game last night. Yeah, and I purposely omitted... Uh... Ricky Rubio, even though I am a Ricky Rubio fan, just because I know how much you like him, so I wanted to let him be your winner. But, I mean, as a whole, he is probably the biggest winner on our list just because of that 28 points on 10 for 17 from the field. And two for four from three, like, that can't be overlooked either because everyone says basically from the free throw line out, he can't shoot. And that's been, you know, the story of his career up to this point. And to see him step back and, you know, shoot with confidence, like you said, it's not going to hold up. But if he can come anywhere near this and just consistently shoot the ball, even if he doesn't put up 20 points, if he goes, you know, 18 and 10 assists or 18 and 12 assists, something like that, consistently on decent shooting, you know, 45% or better, that's a huge improvement for him. And that really expands what this team will be capable of doing. Absolutely. It was just, it was just really thrilling for me to see him have this big, really, really great game. And obviously seeing the Timberwolves win that first game of the season, I mean, it's it's a young team and just any wins they can get early, like as a as a team together, it's just really, really positive to see yeah. in my book. Um it really is. How about your second one? My number two is Jonas Valanciunas for the Toronto Raptors, their center, obviously. Played thirty two minutes, had twenty one points, fifteen boards, eight for eleven shooting against the Pacers. Side note I have just says yeah, it's Jan Mahimi who is guarding him, which is kind of an easy matchup. But regardless, you can't look at those numbers and just be dismissive of them. He had a huge game. And so often we've heard Dwayne Casey isn't using Valanchunas correctly. Like he, he's an outstanding piece for this team that has something resembling a solid starting five right now outside of Luis Scola, which, you know, hopefully at some point they can make adjustments and maybe not have him in their starting five. But regardless, just a huge game for him. Great for his confidence. I think going forward, he's again, he won't replicate these numbers every night, but he can easily be an 18 8 player, 18 9 player through the rest of the season. I think so, anyway. Yeah, and there's really there's no reason he can't. And that's something we talked about in our Eastern Conference preview is he was not a full question mark but his ability to kind of lead and anchor the front court on that team is a question mark. We, we see the, you know, the glimmers and the potential are actually glimpses of potential that he's got. It's just about putting it all together and doing it on a consistent basis and coming out and doing this in the first game of the season is huge for him and for the Raptors as a whole, if they want to seriously contend for the Eastern conference title. 
So this is something that if he can continue and do on a consistent basis, that is going to do wonders for that team as a whole. But we do need to see him do it consistently. But for his confidence and for him to kind of finally live up that to that potential, this is a huge start. Because if he came out and was just a sieve on defense, you know, didn't even maybe put up like 12 and 6 or 12 and 8 on crappy shooting, that is a really deflating coming out in your first game of the season with the offseason, you know, hype that's building and how excited you are for the season. This does so much more than that and does a huge favor for his confidence and for, you know, again, his confidence and his ability to actually anchor the anchor this front court. Definitely. Yeah. So my number three pick was Kawhi Leonard, just completely beastly performance from him contributing to every single on the stats. So if you have on your fantasy team, you're probably really, really happy right now. 32 points, three seals, two blocks, eight minutes and 35 minutes in a game where none of the Spurs players looked particularly great. In my opinion, um, he was just that bright spot for the entire team last night. He had a, this completely monster game blocked Kevin Durant in the shot where he put his hand up and was able to kind of grab the ball while blocking it. Just completely huge performance by him. They, the numbers speak for themselves there. I think um, coming from the reigning defensive player of the year, I think, there's no reason he can't win it again this season. I think he's just going to have a really, really big year again. As we've, the mantra for his whole episode is, these numbers will not stick through the whole season. And these ones certainly won't either. But I think Kawhi is going to be a really consistent player on the Spurs team. And Spurs team that is kind of touting him as being the future for this organization. Absolutely. And again, a big step forward for him to kind of lead the team because I think this transitions nicely into my losers. The other guy they brought in to kind of be the new face of the franchise did not have a very good game. And that's LaMarcus Aldridge. Now this is kind of this loser deserves a preface in it's his first game with an entirely new organization. And they don't really know how he's exactly going to fit in and play off Tim Duncan at the moment. So Expected to turn around, but still 11 points and, you know, five rebounds in 32 minutes is pretty unacceptable. And I think the big part for me was I understand if you're not going to shoot the ball, but if you're only going to get five rebounds in 30 minutes when, you know, you're playing down low, that's unacceptable. I mean, Tim Duncan in six less minutes got six rebounds and was more efficient and he only put up eight points but yeah. he did it more efficiently, and he still you know, did the dirty work and, and got his rebounds. LaMarcus Aldridge needs to do the little things a little bit better with this team. He needs to be closer to eight or nine rebounds consistently, and he needs to shoot the ball better. He can't go four for 12 consistently. And Now, one of those, his one three he took was at the end of the game, and a corner three with LaMarcus in the first game of the season on one of the last plays of the game is – not what you really want to be doing. So give him a pass on that, but still four for 11 is not great when he's shooting all twos and he's supposed to be, you know, one of the best mid range shooters in the game. Four for 11 is really just unacceptable. Um, Expect it to turn around, expect him to be used a little bit better. Like I said, but still after all the preseason hype around that acquisition, really disappointing um, kind of uh, first appearance. 
Yeah, no, I'm completely inclined to agree with you. I think had he not, I mean, had you not picked him and also if I had not picked three other people, I think were pretty bad. He would have made my list. I mean, it's going to be growing pains initially for that team. I mean, Marcus Aldridge is like, he's a huge acquisition. He's a huge piece of that team going forward, but it was disappointing to see him have such kind of an off game. I mean, admittedly it's against one of the best teams in the West in the thunder, but you, you'd expect a better performance and better efficiency also. Yeah. But that was my overall just kind of point with there. Yeah. My other loser is Andrew Wiggins mainly for his shooting and he just did not look that great he he didn't look i don't want to say lost but he didn't look there the whole time he went two for ten from the field one for seven from three why the hell is he shooting seven threes like that when he can't even make a two john (laughs) because he made a couple threes in preseason i guess that boosted his confidence i don't know like i want to see andrew wiggins driving to the hoop absorbing contact getting to the free throw line and we didn't really see too much of that from him. And then he had one rebound and one assist. Like, yeah. He needs to basically touch the ball almost every possession. I think between Rubio, Towns, and Wiggins, two of the three need to touch the ball every possession. Yeah, no doubt. I completely agree. And they're not, they're not going to be contending for a playoff spot. All they are about right now is developing – Really, they've got four young pieces. They've got Levine, Wiggins, Towns, and the European that I can't remember his name right now. Yeah. They need to be developing all of them and getting them NBA ready for, you know, maybe even next season. They could be a dark horse team next season, depending on how they all develop. But Wiggins can't just hang out at the three-point line. That's something he can't do. He can't try to turn himself into – you know, a three-point reliant shooter. That's not his game. It's not where his game is going. That's going to come with time and really just disappointed with his play style in this first game. I expect it to change. I expect him to be more of an attacker going forward. But he kind of got a big stage playing the Lakers and just kind of, I don't want to say crumbled under pressure, but just didn't do the things that made him rookie of the year. Yeah, it was a, uh, it was a really disappointing performance to watch from him. I mean, I was, I was expecting him to have some opening night jitters, you know, he wasn't going to play particularly well, but I wasn't expecting his poor performance is that, I mean, as the season goes on, his chemistry with Rubio is going to get a lot better. He's going to be able to play off him significantly better as well, I guess. But, just, yeah, it, everything you said is spot on. Just a really disappointing performance from him in a game where, realistically, he should have thrived. He should have had a really nice game against the Lakers. Yeah, exactly. And that's kind of all went into it. And the the last uh, player that I have is my loser, which I don't want to spend too much time on. It's just Trevor Ariza. Another mm-hmm. two for ten performance. Uh, made one of his threes. Just all in all, didn't look good really disappointed in the way he played um i don't know i just think he should be he's supposed to be that wing almost three three point specialist and the bright spot for him was he had three steals but one assist and two rebounds and i know he's not supposed to get that many rebounds but i still expect you know a handful 
and that's always going to be more than two. He's he's supposed to be kind of doing the little things, supposed to be a Swiss Army knife, and just really put up a disappointing performance in their game and a really a disappointing opening game for the Rockets in general. Yeah. Um, but what do you uh, what do you think about your losers? Who do you got first? So my number one loser is Joakim Noah. Admittedly, he's coming off the bench right now, but he's yet to score in a game. Um, missing four free throw attempts. I think 0 for 3 right now shooting. I mean, again, he's not taking a ton of shots. Hoiberg doesn't need him to take a lot of shots, but just frustrating to see him not be able to score even on some very basic-looking layups or dunks. So, you know, he blew a dunk the other night against the Nets. Um, admittedly, there could have been some good defense involved in blocking it, but it's one of those things where you, yeah, you don't expect for him to put up a double double. He's more there to crash the boards and play good defense. Just frustrating though. Not seeing him score a single point so far. It's only two games in. And again, these are always kind of hot takes, just two games in and saying, you know, what our frustrations are way too early, but regardless, just it's, it's annoying to see that. I think. Yeah. When Hoiberg said he was coming off the bench, you kind of expected him to, almost go back to his role when he was, you know, fourth in MVP voting, and that was running the offense. Joe yeah. Keem's not going to score, but he could easily be a point center on the second unit. And the ball, I've noticed it a little bit where he'll, he'll bring the ball up or he'll come up to the top of the key and he'll, he'll start with the ball, but it's not consistent enough. Um, and I expect him to kind of take on that role a little bit more going forward. But you're right, his play as a whole has been disappointing, and it seems like it's an extension of last year where his confidence just is not there, and he isn't – it's not picking up, which is the scary thing. And, you know, I need to see Joakim get the ball at the elbow, step in and take his tornado shot yep. and make it. That's that's the Joakim Noah that was a borderline MVP candidate and defensive player of the year. That is that Joakim Noah. He needs to play with more confidence and get back to that type of game where 10 and 12 is a consistent night for him. Yeah. And that's a great night for him. You know, he's never going to put up 20 points, but he needs to be consistently getting right between, you know, eight and 14. That's the sweet spot for Joakim Noah. And as you said, he's put up goose eggs the first two games. Yeah, it's just, it's, it's what you said. It's a confidence thing. I really do hope he can kind of get his confidence back. So moving from a point forward or point center rather to a point guard, we have Rajan Rondo putting up a Rondo night, four points, four assists, seven rebounds in 25 minutes, shooting only 25% against the Clippers. You know, it's, is it even worth like expressing disappointment or surprise that this happened? I mean, I think a little part of me thought he'd be able to perform well on the Kings. It's only one game, but, disappointing stat line by and large. I mean, he still can't shake save his life. Yeah. You hope that it's just growing pains again, but we've seen him do it for the last couple of years now, especially the second half of last year um, as a whole disappointing off the hand. Do you have Collison stat line? Uh, no, but I can actually kind of pull it up really quickly if you want me to. Because um, well, I just remember seeing it um, earlier, and I thought it was better than Rondo's. And I mean, if we get a month into the season and Rondo hasn't picked up his game, that could be a legitimate question as if 
Rondo's even their true starting point guard going forward if he can't step up his game. But then, like, if that is the case, then, like, how does Rondo react to that? What does that team become? Because we all know what happened last year with the um, with the Mavericks and Rondo. I mean, I don't think it'll be as quite se- as a severe thing as that. But regardless, you know, it's just it, it could pan out to be a pretty ugly thing, I think. So um, Collison's stat line, actually, he had 13 points, six assists, uh, five for 12 shooting. See, I think that's a lot better. I mean, you oh, don't yeah, necessarily like the... the- five for 12 but for a guy coming off the bench in the first game of the season you can't expect them to really be extremely efficient and six assists so yeah. in in a bet in a backup role he had more assists than a player who started and is known for his kind of lack of shooting but his gaudy assists and rebound numbers yep so Just- there you go Exactly. Uh, then my final loser was Chris Middleton, four for 15, 11 points in 35 minutes against the Knicks in a game that admittedly the Bucks did not look good at all in that game. They looked completely terrible throughout it, I think. Um, yeah, you know, there's not much to say for that pick. I know we want to kind of move on to the teams, but just disappointing performance. He'll get better as time goes on. I mean, admittedly, they also were missing Giannis from that game with a one-game suspension he was serving. But just a really poor game for Middleton for a player that people have really high expectations for this season. Exactly, and I'll go into the Bucks a little bit more in a, in a minute here. Um, but yeah, Chris Middleton needs to play better. Like you said, he was a little bit out of not out of position necessarily, but out of sync is with the team as a whole. I think they had two brand new starters um, playing for them. Actually, oh, no, okay, Jared Bayless started last year. But, you know, with Copeland and Greg Monroe, so fitting in is different. And if, with Copeland playing, that's a small forward playing a power forward. So, again, it's everything's a little crowded. But we'll go into Bucks a little bit more in a second. But uh, if you don't mind, do you wanna, uh, can we switch to winning teams? Let's go for it, yeah. All right, and these will be quick. But mm-hmm. my first is the Denver Nuggets. Why, you might ask? because they beat the early favorite for the Western Conference Finals by 20 points. The Rockets. They Nuggets won 105 to 85. How did the Rockets put up only 85 points is beyond me. They're a offensive first team. Their star player is a, you know, shoot first player, but he went 6 for 21. Ty Lawson went 3 for 10. Trevor Ariza, like I said, went 2 for 10. Really just a terrible game. Their leading scorer was Terrence Jones with 15 points. You look up at the Nuggets, Kenneth Fareed, not known for his scoring, goes 8 for 10 from the field, 18 points, 9 rebounds. Emmanuel Moutier, that's a guy in our pre-draft uh, talk, I said, is going to be a sleeper pick for possibly one of the best guys to come out of this draft just because he played, because people were looking him over because he uh, or overlooking him I should say because he played in China but 17 points in his debut and nine assists now he had 11 turnovers but he's still a rookie in his debut just as a whole this Nuggets team looks like it could actually be kind of fun to watch and again they beat the Rockets by 20 in the first game of this season when really the Rockets were probably favored by damn near 20. 
Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, I, I didn't get a chance to really watch any of that game, but just looking at the stat line, it looked like the Nuggets, you know, they stepped up. They had a good game. I mean, Moody, yeah, 11 turnovers, but like you said, rookie first game, it's going to happen. Fareed looked really good. Gallo looked great also. So just a really positive performance for that team. For a team that people are expecting to have a really, really poor season, it's great to kick off with a good win. Yeah. Um, my second winning team is the Chicago Bulls. Admittedly, they haven't looked great, but they beat the Cavs to start the season, which was huge and a huge confidence booster for them. And then they kind of weathered the storm against the Nets, where they would go up by like 18 points. Then the Nets would come crawling back within five, but then the Bulls would go on another run. And I think this is different than the Bulls in the past because the Bulls in the past gave up a big lead. It was going to be a close game for the rest of the game. But this team, they saw themselves, you know, let let a lead slip. And then they brought their offensive intensity back and brought up their defensive intensity. And then all of a sudden they're back up by 12 points, mm-hmm. which I thought was huge for them. Um, Cavs game, both teams didn't look great, but still, you know, a win's a win. Beating LeBron is beating LeBron. And it came down to a great defensive play on the last play of the game to basically just not allow LeBron to get the ball, which, again, was huge. And it's great to see Jimmy Butler stepping up his defense um, after a bit of a lackluster defensive season last year. And, I mean, his shooting has improved. And Nikola Mirotic, who could have easily been on either one of our um, three winning players, he's had two great offensive games. His three is falling where it wasn't really in the preseason he's driving you know effectively and he's grabbing boards which a lot of people a big knock on him is that he's too soft to really play uh the big man position especially a power forward and I think he grabbed eight boards against Cleveland and nine boards against uh the Nets so all in all really looking up for the Bulls if especially if as they continue to figure out this kind of Hoiberg offense mm-hmm yeah, no, definitely. I agree. I mean, for me, because I do some post-game write-ups over at multiple sources for the Bulls, and my big key for them is just keep your foot on the pedal. When you have a team down, just keep coming at them offensively and you know, keep making those defensive stops. Game against the Cavs didn't happen. Game against the Nets happened, but a little bit later than I would have liked. I want them to maintain those leads consistently throughout the game. Luckily, they were able to maintain a lead after a kind of a rough third quarter going to the fourth, they just put the pressure back on. They had an easy win over the Nets the other night. Yeah. And then my last winning team is going to be probably a surprise, but it's the Dallas Mavericks. And yeah, they won 111 to 95 against the Suns. Suns, I mean, we'll see how things shake out for them, but probably not going to be the Suns of the last couple of years. But my big reason was they had eight players with over 10 points, which I thought is huge. They It was a real team effort. There are four players on their bench that had 10 points. One of them was actually uh, J.J. Barea, which kind of shot from the past. And just nice to see all, you know, that team playing together looking good, especially kind of after a tumultuous off season. And they could have actually had nine with 10 points if Wesley Matthews would have just made both his free throws instead of just one of two because he ended up with nine points. 
But all in all, Mavs look good. They passed the ball well. Um, and really, it's just hopefully going to continue on. And I'd like to see the Mavs competitive just because Dirk, like KG and like Kobe, is basically at the end of his career. And if they can sneak into the playoffs, it would just be great to see Dirk in the playoffs kind of one last time. Yeah, definitely. I think the the Mavericks are a team that a lot of people are sleeping on early, saying like, oh, they're going to be trash. They're going to fall really low just because of losing Tyson Chandler. Then, you know, what's their point guard situation? Darren Williams, you know, last night, ankle tweak. But I think they're going to, they are one of those teams that could sneak into the playoffs. They very well could. I don't think they're going to, but there's, there's, a, there's a chance that it could still happen. Because those bottom couple of teams we talked about in the Western Conference, uh, our uh, playoff predictions that was like last couple seeds you know anyone can take them really like it's a battle for that bottom spot i guess yeah it really is um so how about your three winners so my three winners number one detroit pistons um two and oh right now the team is clicking playing really smart effective basketball stan van gundy is proving to be that great coach that we all know him to be so so far my kind of key points i've noticed Archie Jackson looking incredibly versatile as a point guard. He's just doing a little bit of everything on the court, which is huge because he has so many weapons around him. He's really utilizing all of them to their potential. Andre Drummond having a really like, great two games so far, crashing the boards well, playing great offense as well. And then you have Contavious Caldwell-Pope, who's actually pretty good. 18.5 points per game, shooting 50% from three. You know, Obviously, the shooting number is going to dip quite a bit from three but regardless just this team so far i feel like we might have slept on them a little bit i think they actually have a pretty decent roster i think the floor is really spaced well as well you have Ilyasova who can shoot from three outside of the arc he had a not a great game the other night but in the opener against the hawks he had a really nice game i think he had like 16 points so the Pistons are one of those teams that, you know, they are on the rise. They are going to look good in a couple of years, and they will be a threatening team, I think. Yeah, I mean, for all we know, they could be kind of this year's Celtics and good coach, you know, a couple of, you know, up promising players, and they've definitely got potential. Um, Stanley Johnson is going to be a studly rookie. I mean, he couldn't beat Sam Decker in Wisconsin, but looks like he'll actually do something in the NBA. Yeah, right. I had to just get a little jab in. There, I, so. I had to say you had a little jab in. Um, my number two, the Toronto Raptors. One of those teams that, again, the Eastern Conference playoff predictions that we had, I had them pretty low. Um, first game back, Lowry and DeRozan combined for 48 points. Tomorrow with 25 points, six assists, five rebounds. Lowry with 23 points, six assists. This, we talked about Valanchunas earlier. Damari Carroll fitting super well with that team. Eight rebounds, 14 points. Just one of those teams that, you know, if they add some depth to that lineup, if they add, you know, a better starting power forward, I think, you know, they're a threatening team. But just two games, or one game in for them, actually. Just looking good, and I'm glad to see it, you know? Yeah, absolutely. What about your third one? Third one, Oklahoma City Thunder. Huge win against the Spurs. Kevin Durant returned to NBA action, regular NBA, uh, regular season NBA action, rather. 22 points. Russell Westbrook, 33 point, 10 assist game, picking up his uh, 
game from last year, obviously, just still just going hard and playing incredibly well. Then Enos Cantor off the bench with 15 points and 16 boards, a team that I feel finally does have a bench unit that can be effective for them. And I, you know, I still stand by them taking the number two seed in the West. Yeah. Um, I definitely, I, I mean, I don't disagree with you. I think they had a great uh, opening night. Kevin Durant looked pretty good. And I mean, I still don't know how much they're going to be able to do it, uh, you know, throughout the whole season and be able to overtake some of those, you know, teams, but the way like, teams like the Spurs looked and the Clippers kind of weathered a scare against the Kings. You don't really know. There are some teams that are going through some growing pains right now. And, you know, who knows? Thunder are definitely deserving of a winner spot. And mm-hmm. like you said, they played well. And it, it, it's great to see Kevin Durant back up on back on the floor. And Russell Westbrook doesn't seem to be slowing down either. So definitely. So speaking of pains, I guess we should go into our bottom three. Again, three teams that you and I both agreed on just really not performing well in the early NBA season. Really, three had embarrassing openings to the season. Yeah, definitely. Like, two of them super embarrassing, one of which has played two games. Their first one's excusable, second one inexcusable. Um, And without further ado, unfortunately, a team that I hold near and dear to my heart the bucks what the yeah. hell happened like it's really not having Giannis on the court partially i think it's you know middle to not having a good game craig monroe had an all right game though against the knicks but just things were not clicking with them just a really really poor performance all around it looks like um you know they'll they'll bounce back they'll still be a good team in the east but discouraging to lose by 25 points to the Knicks in a game where Carmelo didn't even look that good. Yeah. What I'm going to say too is Chris Copeland should not be starting. I agree. He needs to be on the bench and they need to either. Well, no, they can't put Greg Monroe power forward because he came in to play center. But I mean, John Henson, he's a guy that when given the minutes, he rebounds and he does little things, doesn't need to score. I mean, I'm not his biggest fan. But I think the contract was really fair. I think that's a good signing for him. I think he's good on the Bucks, And he belongs to be in that starting lineup, especially with Giannis out. And with Jabari out also. Right. So I don't really know. I, I don't know why he's not, especially in this type of game. I don't know why Chris Copeland got to start over him. But it doesn't make sense really at the moment why Chris Copeland is starting. And I think it's going to be interesting to see kind of how they all fit together when they do have a healthy roster because their two, three, and four is going to be just kind of a cluster. Yeah. Um, but it, I mean, it should be, they should, they're going to be all right going forward. But one bright spot for them was Rashad Vaughn, their rookie went four for six for 10 points two for three from three. And that's actually, he's a guy that they, in, you know, in pre-draft predictions, they just said he is a shooter. He's a little kind of a scrappy shooter. That's going to put up shots and he's going to have some games where he, you know, doesn't shoot well, but a lot of games he's going to be a shooter. So a bright spot for them, because a lot of times that those type of rookies come in and kind of trip over themselves in the first game. But all in all, 
Bucks extremely disappointing opening to the season. Yeah, definitely. Just big disappointment for the reasons you pretty much went over just there. Um, Pelicans are the next one that I'm going to just jump right into. What the hell happened last night? I don't know. The only thing I can think of is the back-to-back really got to them, which shouldn't happen. Yeah, I mean, that C.J. McCollum happened also, so I guess that was part of it, having an absurdly good game last night. But, yeah, you know, the Pelicans, I mean, they, you know, they're still one of those teams that are in the bottom of the West and all, but just a really sloppy performance by them. Didn't look really good at all. I mean, Anthony Davis didn't really get going until the second half of the game, and he's one of those players immediately. He has to be that guy just to kind of, you know, go hard early and get some easy buckets early in the game and just didn't happen last night. So that's, I mean, all credit to the Trailblazers. They played a really, really good game. But regardless, just disappointing to see the Pelicans own two right now in a game where realistically, yeah, they're going to lose to the Warriors. They should be able to beat the, the Trailblazers. Yeah, and what I really don't understand is why they played Eric Gordon 41 minutes not because he's not a good player, but because he historically gets injured. Why yeah. are you in a back-to-back? Are you putting so much wear and tear on really your only shooting guard on the roster? Right. He is their only true shooting guard. Like their shooting guard situation is very, very messed up. And I think we're going to end up seeing a lot of times Drew Holiday playing shooting guard because they've got Ish Smith and Nate Robinson as their backup guards. Alonzo Gee, I guess, could play shooting guard a little bit, but he's definitely more suited to play small forward. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, they've got Tyreek Evans coming uh, – is going to be coming back eventually. But still, he is better suited in the small forward spot than in the shooting guard spot. And it really doesn't make a lot of sense with how their roster is constructed. And, unfortunately, it's probably going to translate to Eric Gordon getting injured again because he's going pro- to be having to play – you know, 35 plus minutes a night because he's their only true shooting guard on the roster right now. Right. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Just really disappointing performance from them. Uh, just, yeah, by and large, I, mean, I don't get why Mike Gordon's playing such heavy minutes really. And, you know, yeah, Tyreek Evans is out and this was Drew Holiday's first game back, but all around this, no one looked really on point that game. Anthony Davis, I guess, had himself an all right game. Um, but yeah, by and large, just a really baffling loss in that in that game. Yeah, and then our final loser goes by the same name as one of my favorite uh, artists and one of my favorite teams, but really, the Grizz put up a stinker. Like, they, yeah, that, 30, 30 point loss. So that's that qualifies as a stinker in my book. It's not even totally losing by 30. It's putting up 76 points. Yeah. And, I mean, it's giving me flashbacks to some of those Bulls games of the last couple of years where mm-hmm. it just doesn't make sense. Like, the, there's talent on the roster. They they should be able to at least put up, you know, 82 points. And it's just really pathetic. Um, and the real stats that stuck out to me was – 35% from the floor and 12% from three. Yeah. That's the, seven, the 73% from the free throw line. Not great, but it's 
it's doable, it's, it works. But what the hell? How do yeah. you shoot thirty five percent from the floor and twelve percent from three? It I don't know. It's just that's pathetic to me. I that... get losing to the Cavs. I get losing to the Cavs by a lot. But putting up seventy six points and shooting that shitty is unacceptable. Yeah, I mean it's that it's they were out rebounded by fourteen, fifty four to forty assists. They were out assisted twenty nine to fifteen. Just yeah, by and large, just a really really poor performance by them as well. Yeah, so, I mean yeah. that's ending on a bit of a that, yeah. Geez, that maybe but... should have ended with the good teams. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> it's... Uh... Oh well. Wow. Yeah. Well. And yep. Yeah, that's how we structured it. But just if you uh, if you're a little too depressed after that uh, that Grizz talk, remember that this team finds a way to make the playoffs, and Grizz are going to be fine. And then just remember about all the fun things we talked about, like how Derek Williams came out of nowhere. Yeah. Exactly. There's there's a lot of positives you can take away from this podcast. Plenty of negatives too. And I hope we keep doing these. I hope we do another one like next week or something because I think it's a uh, a really fun way to kind of look at the NBA and look at different players, some trending ones, some uh, some teams that go on winning streaks, and all that kind of that kind of cool stuff. Yeah, I'm sure there will be more of these uh, to come. Might give it a yeah, like you said, a week or two, so we're not jumping to conclusions after one game. But like we said, we're not actually jumping to conclusions. We're just doing quick takes after the first game when we fully expect everything to be different the next time we talk. Yeah, definitely. So I think that about wraps up this uh, podcast. If you want to go onto iTunes, uh, type in the midweek exception and you're going to find us. It'd be great if you uh, subscribe to us on there. You can also do that on Pocket Cast as well. Alternatively, go over to multiplesources.net. You can see a bunch of different podcasts there for every single NBA team or ideally every single NBA team is still kind of work in progress. But you can find our podcasts there along with a handful of ones for other teams as well. You can follow us on Twitter at MWException. And if you ever want to email us, the email is also MWException at gmail.com. Anything you want to throw in there? Comment away. Tell me I'm an idiot. <laughs> Actually, it's funny. My sister's um, co-worker listened to our Eastern Conference podcast. And he said, you know, he's like, oh, yeah, it was a really, really good podcast and stuff. But he said that he's inclined to agree with me a little bit more than you, I think. So fair enough. Well, if, okay. My Eastern conference to be fair, a little, uh, I it, went out there a little bit, a little bit, just a bit. Yeah. For fun. Exactly. And for you never know debate. if the, and I'm going to be right. The wizards are going to win the Eastern conference. You guys are all going to be idiots. And I mean, Hey, one of my predictions already came true and Lance Stevenson started yesterday. So, um, I'm pretty smart. So yeah, you yeah no you're you are the NBA Nostradamus so far of the 2015-2016 season. So I congratulate you on that. It's a label I accept. <laughs> awesome. So yeah, thanks a ton for listening, and uh, hopefully you will tune in again soon.